0: This is Escape from the Burnout Society, a podcast dedicated to prevent and overcome chronic stress and burnout. It is also a dialogue with many experts around the world in the fields of health, mindset and lifestyle. I hope you enjoy it. Check for more information on our website www.escapeburnoutsociety.com. Welcome to Escape from the Burnout Society podcast. I am your host, Gabriela Guzman, and my guest today is Christopher Lee Mayer. Christopher is a former Navy SEAL who endured intense physical, mental, and emotional stress as a child. By combining a SEAL mindset with modern stress management strategies, Christopher taught himself to free his body and mind from pain by developing mental and physical tools for eliminating unresolved stress. Christopher studied traditional Chinese medical practices at the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and at Yoh San University, before continuing his studies at the Universal Healing Tao System. He is a student of Grand Master Mantak Chia at the Universal Tao Master School in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and is currently pursuing his master's and doctorate degrees in traditional Chinese medicine. Chris is the author of the book, Free for Life, a U.S. Navy Seal's Unique Path to Inner Freedom and Outer Peace, which is a story of survival and an outline of how people can develop physical and mental tools to break free from a lifetime of unresolved stress. Well, Chris, welcome. Welcome to Escape from the Burnout Society. Nice to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to a powerful conversation.
0: Chris, maybe we can begin um, by talking about your background and especially about your Navy SEAL. How did you become a Navy SEAL?
1: Uh, my interest in the SEAL teams came when I found a magazine uh, at a buddy of mine's house. And um, it was a biannual magazine. So it was a magazine that was released twice a year, probably from Navy SEAL recruiters. And once I saw the cover, I knew that was the place for me. I was at a point in my life where I needed a challenge, something that was going to stretch me physically, mentally, emotionally, challenge me spiritually and uh, they did exactly that.
0: How old were you?
1: I was 20 years old, and um, fresh from leaving college, uh, started a business, was an entrepreneur for about eight months, and decided that after reading that magazine, that was the place for me to go. And, you know, the enlistment wasn't too long. Initially, it was four years commitment. And I thought, well, even if it isn't the place for me, I'm only there for four years, right? I'll be 24 years old. I can create a new path if I want to.
0: And did you stay only for four years?
1: No, I was there for almost eight years.
0: So it seemed to be the right place for you at the time.
1: Yeah, it was very good. It was, you know, the thing about being in SEAL training and being in the SEAL teams is I was really young. And because I went to boarding school growing up, the camaraderie was good for me. And the fact that I could really test myself all the time, like I could push my edge every single day. And in SEAL training, when you go through the doors to enter into the courtyard where we do our physical training, up to the left on the wall that says the only easy day is yesterday so that means every day they're going to pile on a little more stress a little more tension create a little more distortion and because it's such a minor amount um you won't know that you're slowly changing right you won't know that your body will eventually be designed in order to look for more stress
0: And did you ever thought that was? Well, you thought it was the best place for you to be, but you said you w- were also looking for something spiritual. Talk about that. How could it be? I mean, spiritual? for me,
1: I've always had a close relationship. So, in the boarding school that I went to for ten years, it was a non-denominational church, and so we sang hymns and we listened to scripture and good word and and for me, discipline is one of the things that I recognize was being projected from the good book and the boarding school that I went to was all about showing up the same way every day, being consistent with the way you dress, being consistent with your attitude, being consistent with your cleanliness, being consistent with the work that you're doing in school. And I could tell that that environment was going to take that to the next level.
0: All nice. right, And then what happened after you left, uh, then, uh, well, you, you, you were not a Navy SEAL anymore. Why, why did you stop, by the way?
1: Uh, I stopped because I'm the type of person that once I do something and I kind of master it, um, there really isn't more to do, right? I've, I've reached my edge of learning and, um, And so they present, I presented the SEAL teams with an opportunity for me to go to the East Coast so I could be closer to my family. And they weren't willing to pay for my effects to go across the country. But they were willing to pay for the effects of the guy that was going to trade duty stations with me to come. And I decided, hmm. Maybe I move on. Maybe this is the right moment, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always lived by a concept called fair and equitable exchange. And it didn't seem fair or right to me. So I decided that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to focus on the things that always made me feel really good. And one of those things was training in track and field. And so I had a goal, I had a desire um, to get to the Olympic trials, and take a shot at maybe making an Olympic team. And I had no idea that that was a fantasy at the time because to me it seemed like a reality. Like I had the discipline, I had the work ethic, I had the inner strength. Problem was is that my body had been so burned out from going through SEAL training and being the SEAL teams that it left me with a lot of joint pain my knees my ankles my hips and this was something that I had never really experienced before outside of some minor injuries being an athlete a little bit of tendonitis in my Achilles tendon before maybe a little tendonitis uh, in my iliotibial band which all resolved within like a week to 10 days well this joint pain that I was feeling was happening consistently And I could never get away from it. And as I decided to train harder, the injury would shift into a different place and then it would go deeper, right? And then I at one point, I ended up with a body riddled with pain from top to bottom. And so then I had an opportunity to either continue to keep that to myself and train through the discomfort or find a friend that I felt close enough with, get vulnerable and reach out my hand and ask for help. And that was a very vulnerable thing for me to do because, you know, most guys in the SEAL teams and SEAL training, they're kind of, they're part of a pack, but they're really lone wolves. Meaning they really sort of never let their guard down to say, Hey, uh, this doesn't feel good. And can you help me through this? Right, either at an emotional level, at a physical level, at a psychological level, at an energetic level. So I only knew the lone wolf way, and so reaching out was tough. Yet the reward was great, because then it put me on a whole new path on learning how to bend the knee and ask for help.
0: And so you asked for help for a friend, and it was... um... Did he help you mentally, physically, and energe- energetically, or
1: um, what he, did he do? He helped me by teaching me, giving me an education. Right? He brought his juicer over to the house. He brought a couple yoga mats, and and he started getting into these positions. I was drinking a very, at the time, to me, it tasted like a very disgusting fresh juice of, you know, <laughs> carrots, celery, uh, parsley, beets. <laughs> and, I mean I think there might have been a little bit of apple in there and at that moment I realized that hey look this guy's healthy and he's fit I'm toxic and I'm fit but I'm not healthy and that that was a real wake-up call for me and then we went into the room into the living room and started getting into these yogic positions and postures he could get into all of them I could get into none of them <sighs> And so my ego moved to the most logical conclusion. He was born that way. And this really wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> so then that gave me the excuse to put that aside. And, you know, every once in a while, I would get together with him again. And and in the meantime, he made a suggestion that I investigate rolfing which is a, a form of body work they call structural integration. And I found someone who could do some structural integration work on me, this guy named Stephen Bulger, And uh, he was good for me because he questioned why was my identity so attached to being an athlete. And at the moment, I was resistant because I thought, what's all this psycho babble about? I came to get to structural integration so I could get closer to living my Olympic trial, Olympic dream. And, or I guess in retrospect, I could say Olympic fantasy, right? And guess what? As he started opening up my body, I started to see a reduction in the discomfort that I had at the joint level. And that gave me some hope that gave me some inspiration. Uh, And then I decided, well, we did 10. So then I signed up, I think, for like 60 with him. I thought, well, if 10 is good, then 60 of them will be better. And then I reached a point where I wasn't going to get any more relief from the discomfort that I was in. So anytime someone's in physical burnout or emotional burnout, the thing that they have to realize is they're going to experience physiological Right. Meaning systemic or structural discomfort. Right. So they're either going to have like massive headaches. Uh, they're going to have foot pain. Right. They're going to end up with back pain, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder, neck. They're going to end up with stiffness, right. Rigidity, poor sleep patterns, um, insomnia. All these things are going to be an indication of what that they're past burnout right? Like you've moved, actually moved beyond burnout. And now you're in what I call sufferingsville. And most humans are going to continue to try to do what? They're going to continue to try to make excuses for it and avoid taking action. And I think the benefit of being in SEAL training and being in SEAL teams is I was able to take action and I was able to go into the depth of my discomfort. And that gave me an opportunity to begin to remove the excessive amount of stress and tension and distortion that was in my structural body. And And as I got enough relief from that, that opened my eyes to realize that, hey, maybe I need to ask somebody else for help. Right. And so then that put me on the trail of investigation.
0: Yeah. Let's go ahead. Um, for a moment back. You said that they opened your body. How did it happen? What kind of process was that?
1: Oh, so basically, you lay on a table, right? And then they're going to work with what you call your fascia, right? Your fascia is all of your connective tissue. And they started using their forearms, right? And their elbows, and they started digging into these spaces and deeply. And I had to focus on my breath because the only way I could manage the level of discomfort that I was feeling was to breathe intensely. And they go all over your entire body. Yet, to be honest with you, I needed something much bigger than that, right? I needed to be involved, right? When I'm laying there, My only involvement is my breath and my ability to manage my discomfort with my mind. That wasn't enough, right? And my detention and stress and distortion in my body um, was extreme, right? So I needed big forces and the forces that they had to offer for the age that I was, they were too small. Because, you know, role thing is for like the average human, right? When you're going to something like SEAL training and the SEAL teams, you're pushing your body and your mind and your emotions and your spirit beyond the norm. So now you're atypical rather than typical, right? So your thought process, you know, is atypical. Your physical process is atypical, And I needed something that was much bigger, that generated a lot more force, that also allowed the tools to be in my hands so that I could go at it every day whenever I wanted to, rather than relying on a codependent-dependent relationship between me and a practitioner. Because in my view, in order to get out of burnout, one, you gotta be able to be honest with yourself first. It's the first step, right? Two, you got to be willing to take feedback from the people around you that love and care about you. And they go, hey, look, man, you don't look great. You don't sound great. You don't feel good. Maybe there's something going on here. Maybe you should uh, reevaluate the way in which you're doing things. And I had some mirrors around me that allowed me to get honest, right? So I took that first step. I'm removing some of the tension and stress. If I need to go a mile, they're taking me an inch, yet I'm happy for every inch that I'm getting, yet ultimately they weren't able to teach me how to do what they were doing to me, so they left me in a codependent, dependent position, right? And so in order for me to receive the work, in order for me to be able to move forward, I needed to continue to give them more money and I needed to be able to give them more time. and so. If you have access to a limited amount of resources, right, your hands are tied behind your back because you can't afford to get the help that you need. Right. And so financially, I I was basically going to work taking all the resources that I earned and handing them out to different practitioners. So then I decided, Hey, maybe I need to synthesize all these things together. So I started doing some Egosku. I started doing some Feldenkrais. I started doing some hot yoga. I started doing some acupuncture, some acupressure, some breath work along with the structural integration work. So instead of going an inch, maybe I was going a foot, but I still needed to go a mile. Right? and so as satisfactory uh, as much satisfaction as I got out of being devoted to taking charge of my own healing journey right my own integration journey my own personal development journey the tools that were out there in the world at the time were very limiting right very 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 limiting and None of them were teaching me how to do those things to myself. So in order for me to learn about acupuncture, Oh my God, I'd have to go study that for four years and invest, you know, $220,000 into the institution. Well, well, I'm still looking at the Olympic trials and the Olympics as a realistic goal, even though ultimately, retrospectively, it was really a fantasy based on where I was at structurally, psychologically, emotionally, <laughs> structurally, and mentally.
0: Yeah, because you were already um, beginning your 30s?
1: I was this moment. In, in this moment. I was coming to the end of my 20s.
0: End of your 20s, yeah. And uh, many athletes have already a career.
1: Yeah. They've already achieved, yeah. Yeah, they're they're going downhill, and I'm trying to go uphill. Uphill. And the challenge is this, is, you know, when you get through something like SEAL training in the SEAL teams, you always think everything is possible. And so I was ignoring the signs structurally, and I kept overtraining. I kept overdoing, right? I wasn't getting the nutrition that I needed. The coaches that I had were sufficient in terms of the training, but I no longer had a body that could do the things necessary in order for me to attain and reach my goal. And I was shooting for the impossible. All right? Yeah. And um, and the cost of that was now I started losing my hearing. Now I had a reduction in my vision really now i was wearing away at all the soft tissue in around my hip after i had a car accident and then after the car accident all the tension and stress that i had at the surface to medium layers it got drove down into the deepest parts of my body and then i could never get away from it right so there wasn't enough roll thing there wasn't enough acupuncture there wasn't there wasn't enough time in the day there wasn't enough money for me to get what I needed to reassess realistically what was possible for me, because I was still living in fantasy. Yeah, And the fantasy that I was running is that if you show up every day and you consistently work hard, you will be successful. And it's a complete and total crock. All right, I already knew about effort. Right. And so my fantasy is what was driving me into burnout.
0: Yeah. So, so you could, you could say that these perceptions of reality yeah, that you are creating there this, at this moment uh, in your life, they were pushing you actually into burnout. And the only thing that was really confronting you with this reality was your dream to become an athlete. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the thing that confronted me the most to wake me up was the pain.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And, you know, and I think as we get older in life, there's an opportunity to look in the mirror and go, Hey, what, what were my greatest teachers? Loss, discomfort, and pain. And the pain was in my face every day. And yet I was looking at the pain as an opportunity to grow through it. And I wasn't mindful enough to realize that I was, creating more and more problems yet in the end my limiting belief was if i show up every day and i work really hard i will get where i'm going that was great for me to get through seal training and into the seal teams but it was a limiting belief when it came to attaining my next level of goals and desires and wants and needs in order for me to be satisfied and to feel recognized and to be able to be at peace in my heart and in my mind. And so I had to reevaluate.
0: And I heard that you were a student to Mantak Chia? Yes. So, because you're you're talking about teachers, so I, I just can think if you are a student or were a student, you learned a lot from him. Yes. How did you come to to be his student?
1: Well, when I was in school studying traditional Chinese medicine and um, Western medicine, what happened is one of my buddies in my uh, class folder put this uh, pamphlet about Montauk Chia in a dark room process called the dark room retreat. And I started to investigate that. And as soon as I started reading it, I knew that was for me. And um, I was there for 20. Actually, I was there probably for about 37 days. And I went through all the processes and treatments that were available. And that took my energy even to the next level, right? So the way that I do things is I exhaust every bit of um information um and transformation that's possible out of something and then i move on to the next thing and so he was an eventual step in my path and he helped me a lot he's helped a lot of people
0: yeah so you went into the dark room for four days
1: i went into the dark room for 28 days
0: for 28
1: days i went there for four weeks right I, at the time, you have to understand, when I do things, I jump into the deep end of the pool. I had never met him. I didn't know what his practices were. I was learning all about Taoist technology while I was in the dark. So I couldn't even see the positions that everyone else was getting into. I had to touch the other students in the dark to see where their arms were, their hands were, even to get a sense of things. because. When you're in the dark room, there's zero photons of light, you have an eye mask on and your eyes are closed. And this is my first introduction into Taoist practice. I didn't get to see with my eyes. I had to figure it all out in the dark and I figured it out. And it was one of the most profound life experiences that I've ever had.
0: Well, they say that um, the idea is that at a certain moment you can't just see in the dark.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there's things that it's a very long conversation and to explain it to, to your listeners for them to get a really good sense of that, the answer to that is true, right? Your mind will begin to make up pictures, right, in your third eye of what it believes is in front of you. So for instance, when I went to my room, before all the lights were turned out to start the dark room process, I already knew where my bathroom was, where my closet was, where my bed was. Well, once the lights went out by day four, my body was already, my mind, was already making up its own idea about where things were. So I would go in the bathroom But instead of the toilet being white, it would be brown, right? Instead of the sink looking the way that it really was, it might be a sink from a hotel room that I was in 15 years ago, right? The bed didn't look exactly like my bed. It might be like the bed from my grandmother's house, okay? And so my third eye was piecing together whatever it was that I needed to see so that I wouldn't run straight into a wall well right and that was my second trip to the dark room my first trip to the dark room was very different right um i began to see with my ears i began to see with my nose i began to to see with my inner vision right Mm -hmm. a very different kind of sight by the time i got to day 17 i could see anything that was man-made anything that was plastic anything that was wood or stone i couldn't see
0: Okay. That is an experience. But you're something special. 28 days I've never had before. But
1: um, Here's the most surprising thing about that that I think is fun for the listeners. I never bumped into one person in 28 days. There were 60 other people in there. Everyone has an eye mask on. It's in complete darkness and everyone's eyes are closed. I never bumped into one person. I nice. all, and and everyone has their own mat, like where you're going to do the practice. Yeah. Every single day when I walked, I would put my sandals down. I was always underneath my mat. <laughs> Every day I would stop, I'd put my foot out, and there would be my sandals. I was like, wow, this is wild. Like, here I am, right? Uh, you think you need your eyes to see And once you tune in and you eliminate all of the external stimulus from your vision, you have inner vision, right? You have Mm -hmm. instinct. You have clairaudience, clairsentience, omnipresence. And I was accessing very high elevated states of function. And I was able to move around for 28 days. 60 other people all moving around. Never bumped into anyone once. Wow.
0: So this is an amazing story, Chris. So, well, this is one of your teachers, and you said you also studied Chinese um, uh, medicine. What else? Tell tell us, ex- explain us. What else? Did what
1: you do? else? Oh, for yeah. me, I've studied genetic personalities. I've studied. I've studied and uh, structural biomechanics. I've studied everything basically under the sun that's out there in terms of body work, energy work, breath work. I have. I have dove in to the deep end, as I said earlier, and I have figured out what works and what doesn't work. Right. And so now I have this enormous toolbox. And so when someone comes to see me and they're dealing with something that is overwhelming emotionally or overwhelming physically or overwhelming spiritually, I get to bring them into alignment and give them, um, the experience of true freedom and then i get to teach them how to do it to themselves because i'm allergic to codependent dependent dependent relationships right right what's the best thing a teacher can give a student empowerment well how do you empower them you teach them
0: how to do them themselves
1: yes so you have to create so before i was born to be honest with you, true transformation what i call true transformation wasn't even possible on the planet right? It was, it was, it was not possible. Okay. Mm. Whatever you went through, through your life, you had to suck it up and deal with it. You had to figure out how to control your life with your mind. You had to figure out how to control your behavior with your mind. You had to figure out how to control your breath with your mind. You had to figure out how to control your body with your mind. That was too much for the mind. Well, how do we know it was too much? Look from 1968 till now, Look at how many people are on um, antidepressant medication, right? Look how many people are using the daily drugs, nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, marijuana, recreational drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, food colorings, and preservatives in order to manage, and refine sugar, to manage their stress loads. Like, think about that. Right. Yeah. If you knock on your day in your neighbor's door right now, I promise you go in and, and they let you into their kitchen. You're going to find they have their cup of Joe in the morning to cover up the fact that they're burned out and tired. Okay. They're going to have their alcohol at night in order to try to calm their nervous system down for all of the excessive stimulus from the caffeine and it's Europe. So they might be on the back porch, right? Reading some poetry and smoking a cigarette. And they're definitely at some point during the day going to eat some form of dessert. So of, there's also going to be chemicals in there. There's going to be uh, food colorings and, and food preservatives. And if you look at that, the average person during a day is using upwards of four to six of the daily drugs and they're using those to manage their stress level. And if you're listening, what you need to understand is there's a better way. There's a path called stress resolution that I created where you no longer have to be at the effect, the negative effects of the environment that you grew up in as a child, which means you'll no longer need to use daily acceptable drugs in order to manage your stress load. You can actually be free, sleep deep, Wake up rested, have a super quiet mind, and have grounded emotions every single day.
0: All right. And let's, t- before you explain how this really works, um, Chris, um, I would like to ask you about the physical symptoms of unresolved stress because just let's go back to that i think that so many people because i had burnout and i also lived in denial for many months yeah that you think you don't have stress i mean i'm Mm -hmm. a happy person 360 days a year you know that's, that's the way i am so therefore i thought i'm not stressed i'm okay but they were of course after some years and then I ended with a burnout. Um, I just had to realize exactly you were saying, huh, that you need, uh, alcohol to relax and you need a caffeine to wake up and so on and so on. Uh, but let let, let us talk about the symptoms. What are other symptoms people could, um, just recognize?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is great. So here uh, I'll give you a handful of them. These are the most obvious ones, right? When you're, beyond burnout right okay which means you're living in denial and you're using the daily acceptable drugs to manage your stress load right so i would call that beyond burnout right what are your symptoms well emotionally it's very difficult for you to connect right to be open-hearted to be available emotionally okay at a spiritual level Right? You're doing things that are immoral, unethical, disintegrous, and unprincipled, right? At a physiological structural level, it's easy. You've got a ton of gas, okay? You've got intense menstrual cramps. You either have massive amounts of constipation or you flip on the other end and you've got diarrhea. Okay. You got poor vision, you're losing your hearing. Your hair is thinning, okay? Uh You have inconsistent or consistent headaches, right? Somebody in your family has told you your breath smells foul, all right? You're clenching your jaw at night and grinding your teeth, okay? You've got jaw pain. You've got any form of joint pain, whether it's your ankles, your knees, your low back, your shoulders, your neck, your elbow, your wrist, right, right? You've got some form of arthritis occurring in your joints, right? In your digits, in your hands or fingers. I mean, your, your hands or feet. Um, you've got inconsistent sleep patterns, all right? You're getting most of your satisfaction from life, from your identity. Your job means more to you than your family, all right? These are all like basics. You, you obsessively, um, over exercise. So instead of 35 to 45 minutes, you're spending two to two and a half hours at at the gym. The image of your body is more important to you than your behavior. Okay. Um, you're constantly behind time, meaning you're late to the things that you're getting to. Uh, you don't value other people's time, all right? You're inconsistent with your word, right? These are all like basic, right, expressions of stress. But here's the question. The question is, how did I get there, right? And this is always the fun part for me. How do I reverse engineer that, right? So those are all the symptoms, None of that's the problem. The problem is, is that life unresolved lifetime accumulated stress always leads to those problems, right? Always leads to those symptoms that people consider symptoms problems. And so what they do is they start chasing the symptom like, ah, oh, I got a headache, right? But they're never asking, well, why do I have the headache? They want to take a quick fix, get a pill, get some acupuncture have somebody massage their feet, but they're never really looking back far enough to see where it all started. So let's talk about where it all starts, right? Yeah. It all starts with a child is in an experience that's beyond their capacity to process. Why is it beyond a child's capacity to process? It always is. You want to know why? Because the child's mind is precognitive from womb to seven. Children don't understand reality. Right now, a week ago or two weeks ago, okay, to be more accurate, 10 days ago, um 100 million children around the world were thinking that a fat man in a red and white suit was going to come down the chimney, drink mama's milk, eat her cookies, and put presents underneath the tree. So when you look at humans, you got to understand They're irrational and they live in fantasy. So let's say you're a child and you get punished for some reason, right? The moment you experience your first bit of punishment, you start to create what I call an alternative personality that allows you to avoid punishment, rejection, humiliation, violence, discomfort, and pain, okay? So let's say you have a father or a mother mother's obsessive compulsive dad is always at work and too busy right you've done something that mom views is wrong okay dad comes home and the first thing mom tells dad is look what your daughter did let me show you and then dad gets physically violent or he gets verbally violent once a child has that experience, it puts them, their nervous system, in a hypervigilant state. That state of hypervigilance locks them into an inappropriate stress state that we call fight or flight, freeze or fawn. Fight or flight, freeze or fawn. Now, this is already happening between three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old. And every time the person engages, in avoidance strategies to avoid punishment, rejection, humiliation, violence, discomfort, and pain. Okay. They are no longer being themselves. And when you're moving in the world and you're being inauthentic, that causes half of your brain to turn off electrically. And now you're in a lateralized state of function. So every action I take from there From a lateralized state of function, meaning half my brain, one hemisphere is turned off electrically, one half of my body is turned off electrically, okay? And now everything I do, everything I eat, everything I drink, how how many hours I sleep, every performance I give is now having a negative reaction inside my body because my nervous system doesn't understand who I am. And that causes stress. That stress manifests as physical tension. If you get enough physical tension in your body, it causes structural distortion. What does that mean? It means the bones are rotated in the wrong direction and now the joints are receiving too much friction. From there, I now move into a chronic or intermittent symptom that we talked about, a headache, back pain, knee pain. Mental confusion, brain fog, massive amounts of anxiety, uh, repetitive states of anger, repetitive states of self-righteousness, and the list goes on, right? So, so, so those are the symptoms. What's really fun about that algorithm there is that tension is directly in the middle. If I reduce my lifetime accumulated stress load, Guess what happens to my restore, repair, and recovery rate? Now it gets high. I sleep five or six hours, and I feel like Superman, okay? Right.
0: Versus,
1: mm-hmm. versus I sleep eight, nine hours, I wake up, and I still need a cup of Joe. Why? Because the restore, repair, and recovery rate is too low, and my lifetime accumulated stress load is too high. So what would the prudent thing be to do. It would be to do everything that I could to reduce the tension that's allowing my lifetime accumulated stress load from when I was three and seven and 10 and 14 to still be present in my life when I'm 45. Reduce that, raise your restore, repair, recovery rate, and guess what happens to your symptoms? They disappear. Your headache disappears. Oh, it's so weird. I haven't had a headache in three months. It's so weird. I'm waking up. I'm feeling so good in the morning. You know what I think I'm going to do, honey? I think I'm going to get a gym membership or I think I'm going to join that running group because now, guess what? I have the energy that I need to be present to meet my goals and desires, right? So when I was sharing with you my story, well, guess what? My lifetime accumulated stress load was at about a 99 out of 100, So my restore and repair and recovery rate was super, super low. So even though I was doing everything I could to get a massive amount of sleep, every day that I was waking up, I was waking up with more symptoms because I was never repairing from the day before stress load, right? So you got lifetime accumulated stress. You got daily stress. So what's the key? What's the only way out? reduce my lifetime accumulated stress load by doing specific things. What would that be? That would be getting in a size program. What else would that be? Getting and doing body of light attunements, body of light transmutations. What else would that be? That would be uh, getting into some form of machine and using my breath to remove all the tension and stress that's being stored in my structural tissues, my muscles and my fascia. If I can remove and reduce my lifetime accumulated by 50%, I double my restore, repair, and recovery rate and I get to see my symptoms disappear. And guess what raises? My level of happiness gets higher my level of hopefulness gets higher my engagement and passionate affair gets higher
0: well really that sounds great <laughs> 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 that really sounds great of course no because you know you are just describing the habits of i think uh, 85 to maybe 90 percent of people in the western world you know what you eat how you eat how you behave the things that are important for you and of course uh, Maybe uh, 30, 40 years ago, we might just have had a little kind of food, but, um, but stress is always there. It's, it has been always there, been there. You said, well, before it was difficult to get rid of it. Now it's possible. Tell us, how do you work with someone? Where do you start?
1: When I start with someone, the first thing is they have to read my book, right? You need to get an education right? Because knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is extremely powerful. But at least when you have the knowledge and you have the information, you can take heartfelt action to your own benefit without information, right? That's consistent, does what it says and says what it does. It's impossible to take heartfelt action to your own benefit because you live in what I call stress ignorance, and I liked your numbers, I would up your numbers a bit higher to say that 99.9% of the planet lives in stress ignorance, right? I think over the next 30 years, if we could shift 10% of the world's population into stress management, right, yoga, breath work, healthy dieting, fasting, all these different types of things, we could start to reduce at least um, the lifetime accumulated stress a bit, but we could reduce the daily stress load a lot, right? Then we have the opportunity to get into what I call stress resolution, and that is a completely different lane from stress management.
0: And that is by manipulating the body, or is, is it?
1: That is by removing tension, physical. Physical? Physical tension. Right, comes out of the structural tissues, muscles, and fascia. Right, emotional tension comes out of the breath. Right, mental tension comes out of the thoughts, and spiritual tension comes out of cleaning the energy. Right. So, you, so when you're, uh, you know, when you're in a seal training seal teams, when we go into an operation, we're attacking things from all sides. Right, we're not going in with one singular plan. What happens if things change, right? That means we're not going to be able to produce the outcome of the result that we really want. So therein lies the challenge. Is the person willing to be honest enough and recruit and investigate to their own benefit and then recruit people who can come into their life and teach them the things that they need to know in order to take control over their mental, emotional spiritual, and physical wellness? And is the information that the people are giving them, are they also teaching them as well to manage their own stress loads? And so when someone comes to work with me, the first step is education. Without the education, they have nothing. I tell people all the time, like, look, you're not paying me for the body work and the energy work and the guidance, the coaching. That's all free." What you're paying for is the education because I'm going to teach you how to manage this and resolve this all on your own so you don't need me. And when I get them on a program and they're doing that consistently, now they're self-empowered, right? The communication changes, the relationship with their husband changes, the relationship with their food changes, the relationship with sleep changes, the relationship with their body changes, the relationship with sex changes, the relationship with money changes, right? They shift out of scarcity consciousness and into an abundant mindset because now they're thriving versus surviving. And anyone who has a lifetime accumulated stress load that is super high. They're in survival mode, like look at Bill Gates and take a look at Jeff Bezos. Those guys are living in constant levels of fear. How do we know? We know based on the amount of money that they have and the amount of money that they share, right? Only someone who was living in fear and fright and flight would choose to accrue that much money to stick somewhere in a bank so that other people couldn't benefit from it. That would not be heartfelt action, right? And so the amount of success that you have in the external world is no indicate is no indicator of how successful you are in the internal world. Your success in the internal world is whether or not you have symptoms of stress that are overwhelming you. Again, headaches, poor sleep patterns. Poor communication, complicated relationships, scarcity mindsets, any level of discomfort in your structural body, joint pain, any level of physiological issues. Like if you just went to the doctor and they removed your gallbladder, you are beyond burnout. If you went to the doctor and they removed your appendix, you are beyond burnout. You're a toxic mess and you got to be willing to hold up the mirror that's why i said the first step is inner honesty
0: of course recognizing what 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 the signs are and recognizing that you need help because i think uh, well that was one of the reasons i created this podcast um so many people that live with very high levels of stress and they never address this stress you know they keep on just denying or thinking that it's normal. That's even worse. Uh, That's normal, everybody lives like that, so I'm normal.
1: Yeah, here's one of the funny things that people say, right? They say, oh, it's old age. No, it's stress, ignorance, and an, an inability and a desire to take heartfelt action to your own benefit. It is not old age. I don't have any pain in my body. As soon as I close my eyes, I fall straight to sleep. As soon as my alarm goes off, I wake straight up, right? My energy is abundant. My mind is quiet. My emotions are grounded and my body is comfortable. And I'm going to be 60 soon.
0: I think many people would like to have that when they're 30. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And when I was 30, I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, right. Yes. Right? right.
1: Right. Right. You know, but for me, I had that mindset of like, yeah, I don't have it, but you know what? I'm 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 going to have it because when I got my first bit of tension out of my body, that woke me up. That woke me to go, well, if I got that out, maybe I could get this out. And if I get this out, well what what will that produce? And then everything continued. My mindset and my understanding got broader and deeper. My intellect got broader and deeper. My instinct got broader and deeper. And then before I knew it, I was living a self-realized life every moment of the day.
0: That many people don't have. And unfortunately, they leave this world without having it.
1: Yes. And people like you who are putting podcasts together and getting good quality information out to people that helps them take a little bit of a risk, right? Because it's a risk to ask for help. It's a risk to look in the mirror and be honest, right? You know, who wants to look in the mirror that's 80 pounds overweight, look straight into their own eyes and go, you're a mess and you need help. That's vulnerable, right? I get it. Who wants to address the headache, right? Where it's really coming from. It's so easy to like go to the store, grab some aspirin, right? Mm-hmm. Have a bunch of them, have a reduction in your headache and just wait, you know, um, for the next one to arrive two and a half weeks later and then deal with it then. Who wants to go to the mirror and go, why is this happening? Who wants to look deep into their soul? It's scary. It's scary for people. I get it. It was scary for me. But then I got to the place where I had so much pain in my body. And I was someone who lived and thrived in my body. I had no choice. Because if I didn't, we wouldn't be on this call. I would be dead. Really? I would be dead.
0: Was it so bad?
1: Oh, yes, of course. Was that bad? night before you know it it's something like a brain aneurysm and boom you're gone or it's going to be a heart attack or boom
0: yeah
1: you're you're gone because i i because at the pace that i was going i wasn't going to stop right then it would be the next goal now i'm going to climb mount everest right oh i lost a couple fingers and toes no big deal (laughs) 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 i'll try it again right and what am i accomplishing right i'm losing my body in the process I wanted to gain my light. I wanted to gain my body. I wanted to gain my humor. I wanted to gain on intellect. I wanted to gain more instinct. I wanted to gain more happiness. Life is short. And you got two choices. Either you get into it all the way or you kind of surf the edge. And some people, that's all they want. I'm looking for the people who are like, I no longer want to surf the edge. I want to get into my life, and I want to be consistently happy. I want to have a super quiet mind. I want to have grounded emotions. I want to have a comfortable body, and I want to have more energy than my nine-year-old son. Those are my tribe. That's the people that I'm looking to reach, the person who wants the most that they could get out of this life experience.
0: Course, but they need <clears throat> to invest quite some time, I guess. How 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 long does it take for a person to to accomplish one of your programs five that days. you offer? Five days. It's the the shortest one.
1: Five, five days. That's the shortest one because I do things in an intensive fashion. Yeah. Because I don't have time to play around. Like I'm going to be sixty soon. So I remember when I turned fifty three. I was, uh, it was on my birthday and I was putting some trash in a trash can and I heard this little voice and said, look, man, you only have so many more people that you're going to get to impact. So you need to design your, the next state of your business in a way that matches the kind of impact that you want. And I thought, yeah, I'm never doing a one-on-one session again. I want to work with people that are all in. And you know what? If you're not all in, yes, no, next. If you're all in, great. I'm your guy.
0: All right. So five days. And do they have uh, to be there physically or they can also do it online? No,
1: no, no. they need to be there physically. Mm -hmm. I got to get into their body. I got to turn on their upper brain. How am I going to turn on their upper brain without creating a piezoelectrical response that turns on both hemispheres of the brain electrically? Mm -hmm. Then I need to turn on their lower brain. Right. I need the first step, upper brain and lower brain. They've got to be communicated and circulating energy correctly through the body. Just those two things alone could change your life.
0: Mm-hmm. a life.
1: Turn you on bit. electrically, mentally, and turn you yeah. on electrically, emotionally. I mean, everything changes from there.
0: And do you have longer programs?
1: I have a 15-month program for people who want to learn How to do this work while simultaneously receiving the works at the same time. Right. So they want to grow through the process and they want to help others. Mm -hmm. Because for me, nothing is more profound than this work. I would put my work up against anyone. You could literally put like 15 MDs off to your left with six other PhDs and you could put me off to the right and you could give them, here's your person. Here's my person they got the same symptoms and I will sort them out lickety split and they will be, they'll still be running lab
0: tests. <laughs> Calling the insurance company.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I call the doctor. Well, um, Chris tell me, um, you you just have might have changed many lives with your programs and with your approach Can you tell us, yeah tell us about that what what are the experiences what have you uh,
1: <laughs> everything and yeah. a- anything and everything under the sun right from family challenges right mothers and daughters unable to communicate effectively intense amounts of anger running at a family level Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, um, sex addiction, sexual trauma, um, you know, stiffness in the body, uh, inability to sleep, an inability to take action to someone's own benefit, uh, lost in their life. Someone who makes, you know, has a job that where, they create a lot of impact for others but then for themselves they can't take action completely unhappy miserable Uh, people who are excessively judgmental excessively self-critical excessively disapproving of themselves uh you name it all the physiological stuff all the structural stuff all the energetic stuff all the fractured psyches um emotional states around the world and you know, we, we we give them the tools to put themselves back together, right? Because the only thing in the way is tension, mm-hmm. stress, and distortion. Once you change that, the body then heals itself. But you've got to put the body in a favorable position so that it can do its work.
0: And how um let's say how old is the average person that comes to
1: you? Are there seven to oh. seventy seven. Really? Yeah, 7 to 77.
0: Oh, I would think that people really about my age would be with you. I mean, like uh, 40s, 50s. Uh, yeah, that's...
1: 70 to 77. Now, sometimes they're in their 80s, you know. Uh, for me, it's it's a lot of the people that I work with now, obviously my my approach has changed over time, but people who are hungry, for change are usually people who are self starters, right? On entrepreneurs, coaches, uh, people who want to guide people into a better life. You know, they're also people who are willing to hold up the mirror going, hey, I, I think I need to grow beyond this too. And then my favorite thing to work with is families, right? Mom and dads that are in their <laughs> you know, mid fifties, early sixties. They got kids that are in their twenties and thirties and are have some level of struggle. And the parents care enough and the kids trust their parents enough and they take the leap and guess what? They get exactly what they wanted plus more.
0: Right. And imagine what people, young people, and I'm talking really like like you when you were in the 20s and you just uh, finished the Navy SEAL, uh, uh, um, well, life you had because it was the kind of life, lifestyle as well. Um that you would know what you know right now.
1: Wouldn't that be amazing? I I just told a, a, a young woman that's 20 years old that I was working with this week, I just told her like, I would give one of my legs to get started when you're getting started at 20, right? Because mm-hmm. I got started on that when I was 29. That other nine years, it's enormous because I would have already impacted millions of more people if i had started nine years earlier right and if i could have started in my teens i would have never even went to seal training in the seal teams right i would have already maybe impacted a billion people in a positive fashion and so when i look at that i think oh look at all the years i missed out on impacting others positively
0: yeah but well <clears throat> chris now did you? um have so much energy and so much knowledge and you're going to become 60 you have could be become 100
1: yeah 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 we we yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> why not yeah yeah i mean that's that's possible i mean i function the way i function now is better than when my the way that my body my mind my energy my emotions function out is like 10 times better than the way it was functioning when i was 30. so and um, I assume because I will continue to keep pushing the envelope, keep stripping it down more, keep opening up more, finding other crevices in my body where there's distortion and discomfort. And I'm totally devoted. Like three, four, five days a week when I'm in Los Angeles, I am seeing other practitioners. I'm not sailing out of here like, Oh, I've reached the Mecca. And I got all the answers. No, there's this is human evolution, right? We're going to continue to evolve as a species for thousands of years. And I feel like anyone who gets a hold of me gets a really big jump start ahead of everyone else. Because once you put in the time, right, when you have instantaneous permanent change, there is no going back. I'm not talking about going to get a massage and somebody's playing woo-woo music in the background and they're rubbing oil on you. I'm talking about true transformation. And though I say this and people understand the concept of the word, they don't know what I mean. Like, I have created the only true transformational process on the planet. Right. Okay. It is absolutely flawless and foolproof it gets the job done it does what it says and it says what it does and if you put in the time the energy and effort you're going to reap the reward
0: and every day
1: the rest of your life
0: yeah have you um convinced skeptics
1: oh i look a lot of my clients are mds and phds right and yale harvard brown uh you a pen um They've gone to all the institutions, right? The learning institutions that are at the highest level. And after they get done their five-day process, they all bend the knee because they understand what true transformation is, right?
0: Mm-hmm. What I um, <clears throat> I believe that has to do with a lot of emotions, so they open yes. up emotionally.
1: For sure. Well, that what happens is, is that they, their other parts of themselves get turned on, right? When you're only operating out of an, out of analysis for the way that you move through the world and your success, that means if your focus is purely there, your emotional body's laying stagnant, right? Your emotional development is rested. Once you pull out the stress and the tension and the distortion that's keeping that emotional body arrested, guess what happens? That person emotionally matures extremely fast. Right, that ten-year-old, immature emotional self integrates with that forty-seven-year-old self within a two-three-week period. Because what what does what what does unresolved stress and trauma and trauma do? Right, what does that do in the body? It retards growth. Right, emotionally, mentally, physiologically, structurally, psychologically, energetically. And once you pull that out, now they can blossom, right? And the, the blossoming happens extremely fast relative to where they were. And they get to understand what true transformation is. And most of the EMDs that I work with, they don't understand what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. They simply know that the result works. And so they don't even spend time even questioning, right? Because they're happy they're having a great relationship with their kids, they're having a 10 times better relationship with their wife, they're having a lot more financial and professional success, and they know it's coming from the work that they're doing.
0: But they still understand what, I mean, you say that they need information and that's the first step, but so they, they're able still to absorb enough information to be,
1: to take a risk.
0: To take, right? yeah. To take, to take, a, take risk. a risk.
1: Yeah. yeah. So the book, Free for Life, right? A Navy SEAL's Unique Path to Inner Freedom and Outer Peace is about what? It's about reading the book. It's What's it? 1997 or something ridiculous. Like, if you're not willing to spend ninety, look, you spend $15 on a hamburger, right? Okay. You can go to some restaurant. You spend $25 on a salad. If you're not willing to spend $19 on a book, $20 on a book in order to get the information that you need to have more energy, to have a quiet mind, to have an abundant mindset, to have a comfortable body, and to have um a, a uh, what do you say, beautiful, flowing, comfortable, satisfying emotions, then you're not my person, right? Right. Because you're not even willing to take the smallest risk,
0: right? So, uh, so okay. People buy the book. Then, uh, if they're interested, they can find you. uh, Then then they email. It's simple. Yeah, yeah,
1: they go. Yeah, they go Uh. to support at truebodyintelligence.com and they email, and we respond to the email quickly. I mean, obviously, if it's on the weekend, no one's working, but we get back to you within two or three days. Mm-hmm. And then we send you a one sheet that says, hey, look, if you really want to get in this path, this is the process that you go through. And I'm willing to spend 30 minutes, 20 minutes with anyone on the phone. That's vested in getting better. Right. That's vested in improving in some way.
0: Right. And for the people that might be interested in the long um, uh, program you are offering.
1: Yeah. Then they we discuss that on our phone call we discuss all programs, right? Because I need to know if the person's right for the program. Maybe what they really need is this. And then I can go, Hey, I think you should call this guy. Maybe this person will help you.
0: So it's a kind of intake.
1: Yeah, no, it's more guidance. Like I'm just sitting with them, being with them, what's going on? What do you want to get out of your life? If I can help you? Great. If I can't, these are the two or three people that I think might be able to help you.
0: Right. Uh, Chris, well, many of my uh, uh, of, uh, people of my audience are living abroad and not living in the United States. Are you traveling sometimes abroad?
1: Uh, I, abroad, yes, I do travel abroad. Uh, but I have practitioners abroad. So I have practitioners in London, Spain. Um, let's see, in Luxembourg. Uh, in germany and so people who are in europe can get access like, in europe the great thing is you can be in another country in a couple hours so short flight you can work with one of those folks over there but i do the intake and i talk to them and see if it's what they really want to do and then i make the connection for them
0: all right so you are the connection uh, you make the connection yeah, with these yeah, practitioners. I make the connection yeah yeah Okay, great. Chris, I'm very interested in your methods. I think I am going to buy your book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're going to love it. And then when you buy it and you read it, you're then going to go to the website, right? You're going to send Christina an email at assist.rit at gmail.com. And then you and I are going to have a 30 minute phone call to see how I can help you in some way. Cause I would love to do that. And maybe we'll spend an hour, right? And I will give you some help. At the very least, you're going to walk away with some bit of information that's valuable to you.
0: Great. Great to know, Chris. It was a great conversation. I was already sure about that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you a lot. And speak to you soon.
1: Okay, wonderful. Thank you. And anyone listening, thank you.